Jesus in, in prayer. Let's pray. God, that's our prayer this morning. That we will, over these next uh, few minutes that we have together, learn a little bit more about what it means to um, live like Jesus. And God, we know that that's not something that we do in our own strength, but we do that because you you have given us the power and the grace and the love to be able to do that. Lord, I pray that this morning we will be open vessels to be filled by your goodness and your love so that we can go from this place today and be the kind of people that just splash out over the people around us. That we just splash out your love and your grace and your goodness and your peace and all of the things that you have lavished on us. We thank you for the generosity of your heart. We thank you for how you love us in so many ways that we can't comprehend. And so we want to we want to return that love to you, Jesus, today. And we also want to share that love with others. And so challenge us today. Open our hearts and our minds so that we can hear you. We love you. It's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Well, we are glad that you are here today, and uh, this morning we are going to move right into a time of passing the peace, and um, little uh, spoiler alert, that's kind of a theme today, uh, will be peace. And so uh, here at our church, we extend that peace usually with hugs and high fives and and how you doings, and, um, but well, we're not quite there yet. Um, and so as we extend the peace to each other, just turn and, and uh, greet someone with a wave or an air high five or an air hug or something like that. But let me say to you, may the peace of Christ be with you today. Thank you. Extend that peace to each other. make you aware of some things that are going on in our church. Um, Next week is going to be fun because next week we are going to have affirmations of baptism. So if you were baptized as a child or maybe earlier in um, your grown-up years um, and you haven't um, been close to the Lord and you have recently just said, you know what, it's time. It's time to get back into this. Next week is an opportunity for you to say, yes, I have been baptized before, but I want to affirm that this is true in my life even now, even today. And so um, it's not too late to let us know if you want to do that. So just um, grab us after church. Like, literally, you can grab us and let us know if that's something that you're interested in. I'm not pregnant. No, 
<laughs> that would uh, <laughs> not be exciting. We have been uh, praying for the past two years uh, for health in a specific area in our church. Um, we understand that, you know, the church is a wonderful place and we have a lot of ministries and programming going on, but we, are, uh, we, we have had a difficult time making inroads into our community in the way that we want to. Um, we are very welcoming when they come to us, but we've had a difficult time finding the right ways to connect with them where they are with our community. And so after praying for multiple years, um, I'm so excited to announce that next month we are going to have a new Connections pastor, and his name is Jason Lipscomb, and he's going to be an associate pastor helping us to connect with our community in meaningful ways. He and his wife, Mandy, and their three kids, Finley, Wyatt, and Jaron, um, are going to be joining us. Their first Sunday will be June 13, and the board has had a chance to get to know them, and, and we've known them for a while, but I know that a lot of you have no idea who I'm talking to, and so we wanted to give you just a short um, video clip. Um, it was a conversation that we had this past week with them. If you want to see the full 28-minute video and, and get to know them a little bit better, you can go to pionaz.church forward slash Jason, and that's where you'll see that full video, and you can get a little bit of information about him and, and their ministry. But I want to show you just uh, very quickly um, just a little bit about Jason so that you can get a sense of his heart and, and who is coming on board with us. So take a walk. Take a look. For those of you that will be in church or watching online, we want to introduce to you Jason and Mandy Lipscomb. Howdy. Hi. Hey. Hey, and I just thought we'd start by having you guys tell a little bit. Um, I guess it'd be more you, Jason, because we didn't see you, Mandy, I don't think, or maybe we saw you in passing. But, Jason, talk a little bit about how we met a couple years ago or how we reconnected. Uh, yeah, we met a long time so, ago. You know, we were at this very uh, very spiritual place called uh, the, the Disney World Grounds. <laughs> so we were at... We were at the Contemporary uh, waiting for a, a tram or a monorail, I think it is, and I hear this, let's go, Jason, let's go. I was like, what in the world? I'm in Florida. Uh, I look over and I, I see Jen. I was like, it has been uh, well, close to 20 years or so. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, Facebook makes it seem like yesterday. But anyway, so I uh, go over there and, and uh, meet Garen for the first time. I had known him for years via Facebook. Uh, we have a crying baby. We may have to go you grab You can tell him. the story, Al. All right. And I knew that that encounter right there was worth something. Just, you know, God lets you know, like, hey, pay attention to what's going on here. And so we talked for a bit and said, hey, uh, well, let's talk and, and when, when things come together. Because God had already been speaking to us some about Florida for very specific reasons. And this is just too crazy to ignore. It's just weird how uh, God has orchestrated so much of this. Just what are you passionate about? I mean, our board knows you, but what are some of your, your passions and the things that really uh, get you out of bed in the morning and it's like, yeah, I want to make a difference in this way? Uh, selfish things or, or godly things? or They're all. They're all. Okay, so that's, that, that, that's good. That's good because I'm a firm believer that the desires that God has put in your heart um, are to be used for his His glory. Yeah. And when you have things that you love in this world and uh, that aren't sinful, you know, he's like, hey, I want you to get out of bed. It's okay that that gets you out of bed. You know, I really like, um, I mean, this is, this is, that sounds very selfish. But I love the beach. You know, I've lived uh, near beaches around the world. That is going to help me get out of bed in the morning to go out there for a walk with God and with a cup of coffee. Um, I love car racing. I grew up racing cars, fixing them, breaking them. Uh, you know, I'm pastor of a church for, for another eight days. I'm the official pastor, lead pastor of a church in St. Louis, Missouri. But I'll be honest, if there's a big car race that I'm uh, going to observe, be a part of, 
it would be easier for me to get out of bed early on a Sunday morning for that than it is for church where I'm going to worship and preach. Um, what God is, has been saying to us and has shown us over the years, and, and many, many more people just out of the woodwork are just appearing to confirm this, God wants to use our passions uh, and activate us through those things to serve him. Well, there's a movement called Fresh Expressions in the Methodist mm-hmm. Church, and, and we've talked about that type of thing. And I've spoken some with the board, but I haven't spoken with the church a lot. Um, but what you're talking about is a, a mindset of Fresh Expressions, and I didn't know if you wanted to unpack that. Fresh Expressions, um, if I were to unpack it very simply, it would be that God is already at work in people's lives uh, whether they know it or not, and we need to just be there with them where they are already and bring Christ to them intentionally. Yes. And so if there are people meeting in a dog park and you've got a dog and you go there, that can be and maybe should be a church. And uh, that scares people. They're like, well, how can we build a building at the dog park? <laughs> but you can't, and that's the point. Yeah. And uh, there are people church. already hanging out. What's that? Because <laughs> the church is the people. Absolutely. We 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 forget about that very easily. Uh, we go to church. We never think about we're going to the people. We're going to the building. Oh, I've got church this morning. Well, we've got a set of things, a, a process with a timeline that we've got to do. Um, and if it's the church people, we always add the word people onto it. Well, the church people are doing this. No, the church is the people, and we've messed up our language along the way. But God wants to work no matter where you are. Things are going to happen. I already got some places I want to visit there just in spare time because uh, God is like, well, you got connections. You got things you like. You got things I've, I've showed you. Explore them. Yeah. And things are going to happen in ways that we never imagined. And uh, I think the greatest thing that will come out of these types of things is it takes over our local churches Um our districts, our denominations, is that regular people, we say regular, uh, and there's no one regular because we're all called to the same thing, but they will feel allowed to be activated to serve Christ without the permission of anyone except Jesus himself. Yep. And uh, I just can't imagine what's going to happen as the lady and the clergy all realize they're, they're the same, one and the same called. And one is, uh, we're, not, we're called nothing but the servanthood of each other and to Jesus. And when we realize that, wow, wow, we can do anything to serve Jesus. We really can't do anything. Yeah. Anywhere, anytime. And that's exciting to me. So Jason and his family are going to be coming. Uh, their first Sunday with us will be June 13th. And... The goal is that they will help us as we become a church planting church, meaning we have felt a calling to a Hispanic ministry, a Hispanic church. Did you know that there are 7,000 people that are registered that identify as Hispanic within two miles of this church? The closest church that I can find that has a Spanish ministry is Tomoka Farms, about 10, 15 miles away. There are things that we should be doing and can be doing, and Jason has experience planting churches. He has experience with multiple languages. He's going to be helping us with things like that. But not only that, we understand that there are a lot of people that will never step foot in a church, and they still need Jesus. Our call to go and make disciples doesn't stop with people that only come into our doors. We are called to share Jesus with everyone. And so Jason's going to help us with these fresh new ways of reaching out to our community so that other people can come to know Jesus. And uh, this really, if you've been any, in any of our studies this year, and remember in January I said I encourage everyone to be in at least one study this year. We started off, Debbie started by teaching the book Forward and how you are never so old that you get to retire from service to God. There is always something more to do and we move 
forward. And then we've been talking about the Holy Spirit empowering us in this, in this uh, series that we're going through. We're going to be talking about, um, in July, what it means to go from being a fan of Jesus to a true follower of Jesus. In August and September, we're going to be talking about how to be emotionally, spiritually healthy so that we're able to be used by the Holy Spirit, so that we're able to be a follower and not just a fan, so that we're able to move forward. Do you see how we're building? Everything is building to what's happening in the coming future, and God is going to be doing something amazing if we will just follow God where he is and join in the work that God is already doing Great things are in store, not only for our church, but for our community as God begins to transform people where they are. And so I'm so excited. So I'm, I'm going to stop talking. I'm going to ask Jen, and I'm going to ask you to join her. I want to take a moment right now and pray for Jason and Mandy. They are giving up a full-time job as a lead pastor to come here and work very, 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 very part-time for us. And if you've ever done that before, you know how scary that is. And then you add three kids, and it's even more scary. And yet, they are stepping out in faith. And so I want Jen to pray for them, for the transition, for the family, and for us, that we will do what we do so well. Church, you guys are some of the most loving people I've ever met. And it's my prayer that we will embrace Jason, Mandy, and the boys, and love them well, and partner with them in a meaningful way. So Jen, will you pray for them? God, I thank you for the words that Jason said, that you are already at work in the lives of people, whether or not they know it. And for many of us in this room, this might be surprising news that that we're trying to reach our community in this way. I hope it's not. I hope that this uh, just is like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. That's the next step for us because... um, we live in such an unchurched and dechurched area, Jesus. We live in an area, the fourth most unchurched area in the United States. And we have people who come from all over the world and make this their home. And Lord, we know that church can be intimidating. We know that uh, church has actually gotten a pretty bad rap over the years. And so, Jesus, we pray that we will truly be your hands and feet. We lift up especially Jason and Mandy and the boys to you as they um, have open houses to sell their house, as they um, make all of the plans that, that have to be made to get here from St. Louis. I pray for a peace of mind and safety, and I pray that you will provide abundantly for them. We pray that as they step foot into our zip codes, that you will give them a peace that passes understanding, and Lord, that you will help us be your church to them and join with them as we connect with people in our community. Lord, bless them. Thank you. Thank you that they are just crazy enough to up and move to Port Orange, Florida, and we're so excited to have them join us, um, and we believe that good days are ahead uh, for our church, the people who are the church. Um, And for the Lipscombs as they join us, bless them, please, over these next few weeks. We love you, Jesus. Amen. Wow, that is some exciting news. Um, You know, we have an order of service, and uh, Garen decided to put on this week's uh, order of service for me as as I'm doing offering here. He put, this is what he titled, he put a, what'd you put here, Garen? The Nugget Man. The Nugget Man. Have you guys been... uh, if you guys have been coming here for quite some time, you know every now and then God gives me a nugget. And, uh, and so, you know, I kind of was reminded, and I was like, man, Lord, what do you have this week? And, you know, what he reminded me of is, you know, this kind of what he said, and this is how I'm going to interpret it. He said this. He said, I'm not in a box. He said, I'm not a God that is in a box. 
and it reminded me we are a people that we have our we have our workplace, we have even our church, we have our house, we have our finance, we have this. Everything in life has certain orders to it, and 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 it's we have everything in a box. And there's so many times that we try as as a people to put God in a box. Well, hey, look, this is what I need done in my life, and so this is how he this is how I'm expecting him to take care of it. And this is what's going on in my life, so this is how he needs to t- help me out. And if this happens in life, then God can't be so because this is the way that God is. But you see, you cannot put God in a box. If you can put God in a box, then that is when he will cease to be God. And so this morning, may I remind you as we step into a time of continuing in worship in our tithes and offering, that we serve a God that you cannot put in a box. And so this morning, we give cheerfully and wonderfully all to his glory. And so, Lord, we thank you so much for this opportunity, Lord, to be able to give to your ministries and your truth. And, Father, I pray this morning that as, as this giving that we do, Lord, expands your ministry out of this church walls. Father, I pray that we would show this world a God that is not in a box, a God that we don't understand all about you, Lord, because if we could, then again, we wouldn't, you wouldn't be God. But Father, you're so much greater than us. Your word says that, you're, that your ways and your thoughts are so much higher than ours. And Lord, you deserve all the worship and all the glory. And so Father, as we step into your presence and as we worship you, may we understand, may we take down the walls that we've tried to put you in. And Lord, may we understand that you are a God with no limits. That you are a God that we, must, that we should conform to your ways. We, should, we say here as a church, Lord, take me. Show me the way that you'd have me to go. Not, for me, not for you to go the way that I want you to go. Lord, bless this time that we have here. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. You guys are going to see a couple different ways that you're able to give, as well as we have some drop boxes in the foyer on the way out that you're able to give. Thank you. Join me in praying our prayer for understanding this morning. Lord, open our hearts and minds by the power of your Holy Spirit, that as the scriptures are read and your word proclaimed, we may hear with joy what you say to us today. Amen. Amen. Well, I'm going to be in the book of Psalms this morning, and then we will flip over to the New Testament. But the book of Psalms, if you're unfamiliar, write pretty much right smack dab in the middle of the Bible, Um, or of course if you're on your phone, super easy. Um, So Psalm 34, this is one of my favorite passages, um, but I'll be reading verses 8 through 18. Psalm 34, 8 through 18. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, the joys of those who take refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you, his godly people, for those who fear him will have all they need. Even strong young lions sometimes go hungry, but those who trust in the Lord will lack no good thing. Come, my children, listen to me, and I will teach you to fear the Lord. Does anyone want to live a life that is long and prosperous? Then keep your tongue from speaking evil and your lips from telling lies. Make sense? Turn away from evil and do good. Search for peace and work to maintain it. The eyes of the Lord watch over those who do right. His ears are open to their cries for help, but the Lord turns his face against those who do evil. He will erase their memory from the earth. The Lord hears his people when they call to him for help. He rescues them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. 
And then in Ephesians, Ephesians is a short book in the New Testament. Uh, It's one of the, the letters that Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus. And I'll be in Ephesians chapter 2, reading 14 through 22. Ephesians 2, 14 through 22. For Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people when in his own body on the cross he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. He did this by ending the system of law with its commandments and regulations. He made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating in himself one new people from the two groups. Together as one body, Christ reconciled both groups to God by means of his death on the cross. And our hostility toward each other was put to death. He brought this good news of peace to you Gentiles who were far away from him and peace to the Jews who were near. Now all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. Together, we are his house, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, and the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. We are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Through him, you Gentiles are also being made part of this dwelling where God lives by his spirit. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. This is normally the part of, uh, you know, the first part of the sermon is when uh, you're supposed to have the, the story that catches you. The, um, if it's funny, it's even better and really locks you in for the whole sermon so that you're going to be like zoned in. But I really want to get to the good stuff today. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to pretend like I just said a really funny story. And I want you all to feel free to laugh and clap. Maybe someone wants to say, man, that's a good one, Pastor Garen. Or, or maybe someone wants to say, I didn't get it. But whatever. But I'm going to count down. We're going we're gonna to still experience the joy of a great story, even if I don't tell you one. So here we go. You ready? If you want to clap, you can. Um, you don't have to, but I mean, I know how some of you like to clap. Ready? Three, two, one. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. I know. I couldn't believe it either. <laughs> Good times. Yeah, more of that. (laughs) There's always one. Yeah, yeah. Today we are in um, the Sermon on the Mount, and we are at a very uh, important verse, especially in today's um, today's um, situation and and where we find ourselves. We find ourselves in a place where it feels like people are all a little more aggressive, a little angrier. Um, Your Facebook posts seem a little um, less about your food and more about your rant. And uh, and you know what I'm saying? And I thought about even snapshotting like CNN, Fox, ABC, PBS, and just showing you, because if you go on any of those sites, about 60 to 70% of them you're going to see are very angry editorials or information. A lot of, "Eh, 
And it's into um, that type of setting that we hear these words. And Jen, I'm going to ask you to do me a favor. I forgot my clicker. Can you uh, run and get that while I'm going? It's into that type of situation, this political, this environmental, this national, this global, this pandemic situation where there's trouble after trouble after trouble, thank you, that we hear these words. God blesses those who work for peace. For they will be called the children of God. God blesses those who work for peace. They will be called the children of God. Now, if we're going to unpack this a little bit, probably we need to define the word peace, right? We probably need to know what that, what we're talking about there if we're going to go any farther. And, and we've talked about the Hebrew word before. Have, do you remember we talked about the word shalom? It means uh, nothing lacking, everything complete. It means peace. It means um, that, that things are in a right relationship. There's a quote that has been attributed, if you Google it, you'll, you'll see that hundreds of people have been attributed as saying this. Everyone from Gandhi to Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, but the gist of it is this. Peace is not the absence of violence. Peace is the presence of justice. Peace isn't just when we're not fighting. Peace is when there is a right relationship with people, when there is justice and righteousness in the world. That's when peace happens. And, and that's the word shalom. Today I want to teach you the Greek word for peace. Are you ready? Here we go. It's called Irene. Say that with me. Irene. If you're reading it on paper, it looks just like, um, if you're from Tennessee like me, you'd say, hey, that looks like Irene. It's not. It's Irene. I, I had someone pronounce it for me to, to verify that that's what it is. Irene. Now, Irene, the Greek word, is very similar to the Hebrew word shalom. It means nothing lacking, everything right. There's justice. There's peace. There's harmony in the world. But there's one difference that Irene has to Shalom. One minor difference, but a very important difference. And the difference is this. Irene is used theologically. And what I mean by that is this. You and I cannot be fighting, and we can be at peace with each other. And that's kind of like what's happening in this world. But when we talk Irene, that's, there's this spiritual peace that's going on as well. And we understand that this peace that Irene is talking about happened on the cross. We understand that through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, we have been given this peace, this peace with God. We've been given this peace this way, not just this shalom peace this way. Are you following with me? Irene is God giving the good news to humanity that all can have a right relationship with God. And, and this, this peace happens in two ways. First of all, this, this, this peace that God made it happens because, well, the cross makes it possible for us to have peace with God, right? I mean... Uh, if we were using theological terms, we'd say justification. There is justification, and that's just a big word, and let's just break down. I heard, it, I heard it said very simply, a good way to remember what it means to be justified. When we come to Jesus and we ask him into our heart and he justifies us, it's just as if I'd never sinned. He's justified. It means I'm put in a right relationship. It's just as if I'd never sinned. I have this divinity and humanity, and they are in harmony with each other now. That's the first way that Irene is different. 
The second way is it transforms our relationship with each other. Not just physical, but we have this difference, higher level transformation that happens between the two of us. And Jen talked about it. Uh, she read Ephesians 2. Oops, sorry. Let's go back. Colossians. Um, this is a great one. Um, this is the, the first way with irony. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. And then we have in Ephesians, um, I was reading this book and they brought out something very interesting to me. Christ himself brought peace to us. He's united Jew and Gentile into one people. He broke down the walls of hostility that separated these Jews and these Gentiles. He broke down these walls so that we are one people. We are one people in Christ. He made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating in himself a new group out of two groups. So together as one body, Christ reconciled both groups. Do you see how he's talking about these two groups, these Jews and these Gentiles? Now all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. It's interesting that what Paul seems to be saying is there is a relationship between peace with us and peace with God. And now that we have this, we can fully have this. We often try to think, well, as long as I'm at peace with God, it's just Jesus and me. I don't need anybody else. Paul seems to be implying that if there is not peace between us, we cannot truly have peace between us and God. And that sounds weird. It sounds foreign until you remember that in the very same chapter that we hear, you're blessed when you make peace because you'll be called the children of God. In verses 23 and 24 of this very same chapter, Jesus says, so if, you have a if you're presenting a sacrifice at the altar of the temple and suddenly you remember that someone has something against you, if you're trying to do this and you're at the altar wanting to make right with God and all of a sudden you remember, wait a minute, there's something that's not right here. What does Jesus say to do? Leave it there. Go make this right so that there is nothing hindering you with this. And we can go even farther down the road in Matthew chapter 6 when he says, Forgive us our sins in the same way that we... Give us peace this way in the same way that we are willing to show peace this way. That, that's what irene means. It means that we can have a right relationship with God and we can have a right relationship with each other and both are vitally important. I can't live a stingy life this way and expect to have a lavished life this way. Are you with me? It's a both and. It's why passing the peace, it's been so difficult for me not to be able to pass peace with you every Sunday the way we used to because we, we've said it Hundreds of times since we've been here. What we're really saying is that we hope everything is right with you and God, and we hope that everything is right with you and me. When we pass the peace, we are completing and fulfilling Paul's words in Ephesians, Paul's words in Colossians, Jesus' words in Matthew 5 and in Matthew 6. We are living out the truth of the gospel when we pass peace with each other in a way that we don't do at any other point in the service. And so I've missed it. And I pray that we're still passing the peace in, the, in, a, in different ways. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are the people who see discrepancies going on in front of them. Blessed are the people that see conflict in front of them. Blessed are the people who see that things aren't the way they should be with, with their family, with their co-workers, with their neighbors, with 
any fill in the blank. Blessed are the people who see that there's not this harmony. There's not this harmony this way. And so we understand that if there's not harmony this way, it's going to be difficult to have harmony this way. Blessed are the people who are willing to step into the middle of the conflict and try to bring restoration to both sides. Blessed are the people that say, I love both, I love both sides of the party. I love, I love this person. I love that person. I see that they're struggling to have peace with each other. Blessed is the person that steps into the middle, not to be nosy, but to bring restoration and reconciliation. Blessed is the person that is willing to step in and say, I want to help you find Irene. I want to help you find Shalom. And sometimes we need help from an outside source. And that's okay. You hear me? It's okay to have help. There are some times when we just need a little bit of help to see the big picture. Blesses the person that says, as much as I'd love to just ignore it, as much as I'd love to just pretend that it's not happening, I'm willing to step into the middle of it to try to be a healing balm for both sides and that's difficult if you've ever tried to do it you know that it's difficult have you ever tried to do it i find that more times than not i try to be assertive that way but more times than not i just you know walk out of the room i'm not going to deal with that it's difficult why is it difficult it's difficult because it's uncomfortable isn't it you care for both, both sides. It's, it's uncomfortable. It's difficult because it's unpleasant. It's difficult because it's dangerous. I mean, you're trying to help these two sides and you're the one in the middle. I think of, have you ever watched like the cop shows and there's some sort of, I don't know, bank robbery or hostage situation or something and the mediator comes on the scene and they strap him up in his, you know, uh, bulletproof vest and then he takes out his gun because you can't have a weapon when you're trying to initiate peace. And he says, okay, I'm coming in. I just want to talk. I just want to kind of help broker this deal between, between these two sides that are at odds with each other. And I never really thought about it until this week. Have you noticed how when that mediator is walking toward the situation... There is this very uncomfortable and dangerous moment when he has people behind him with guns drawn and he has people in front of him with guns drawn and he is the only one in the middle. And that's what happens sometimes when you're the mediator. It's dangerous. It's uncomfortable. It's unpleasant because... Both sides are going to want you to side with them and help them. More times than not, they are not interested in peace. They are interested in winning. And if you go in and try to just bring peace, more times than not, what happens is both people who are fighting will end up turning their anger upon you. Have you noticed that ever? Has that happened to you? And you sit there thinking, I was just trying to help, and now they're both mad at me. What's going on? You're blessed when you choose to work toward peace. You're blessed because you understand that God loves righteousness. You understand that God loves peace. You understand that God loves both people on both sides and that both are created in God's image and God wants restoration and reconciliation for both sides not only with him but with each other Jesus says you're blessed if you are willing to do the hard work of stepping into the messy middle if you're willing to step into the climate that might end up hurting you as much as they're hurting each other you're blessed when you realize 
that reconciliation is one of the highest values in the kingdom of heaven, and you will do whatever it takes to try to bring about reconciliation. You're blessed. How are you blessed? Jesus says you'll be called children of God. Not just familiar with God. Not just like Abraham was, friend of God. You will become children of God. Can you imagine how scandalous that would have been to say that in that situation? If you look, most of the times when people are talking in the Bible, except Jesus, they say, we are the children of Abraham. They would never say we are God's children. That would be blasphemy to have that kind of intimacy and relationship with God. And yet Jesus, God incarnate, God come to earth, says, when you work towards peace, you are children of God. He goes on to emphasize it in Matthew chapter 6 when he says, you want to know how to pray? Pray this way. Pray, our Father. You can have that kind of intimacy. You want to know how, how to, that, that it can be that way? Think about when Paul says that we can cry, Abba, Father. We can have this intimate relationship with him when we have this peace with him and peace with others and when we are doing the work of being peacemakers to others. I think I want to stop. Would you do me a favor? Would you bow your heads? I want to ask you a question or two. Bow your head, close your eyes, nobody looking around so that it can just be you and God. Let me ask you a question, and and I'm going on the assumption that most of us would say, well, yeah, I would want that kind of peace. That makes sense to me. Hopefully it makes sense in your heart, but if not, at least it should make sense in your mind. Let me ask you this. Are you living your life as a peacemaker? Or are you living your life more as a peacekeeper? And there's a difference. Peacekeepers bring peace by suppressing violence. Peacemakers bring peace by supporting justice and right relationships. Peacekeepers, they start from a position of power, and I'm going to make sure that there is peace. But peacemakers, they start from a position of vulnerability. Saying, can I join you in the conflict and help work through the situation? Peacekeepers care about eliminating dissenters. If we get rid of anybody conflicting with us, there will be no conflict. That's a peacekeeper. A peacemaker cares about reconciliation and says, we're not all at peace until we are right with each other and right with God. So my question is, do you live your life more like a peacekeeper or a peacemaker? And then let me ask you a follow-up question. How could your life be different if you chose to be a peacemaker instead of a peacekeeper? What would Thanksgiving dinner taste like? Many of us know that Thanksgiving can be one of the most stressful times, and it's like, if we can just keep the peace through Thanksgiving, what if it wasn't about keeping the peace? What if you started doing the work of making peace now, and then at Thanksgiving, somehow the turkey would just taste differently? Because you are truly at peace with these people that you love so much. How could your relationships be transformed? Your family relationships, your work relationships, your neighborhood relationships, 
those people that cause you grief or anxiety or pain? How could God transform these relationships if you would be willing to take the first step and bring peace? Maybe it's conflict in your life and you need to say, it's not about being the bigger person. That's not why I'm, I'm going to try to bring peace. But it's about being a righteous person. And God loves peace. And so I'm going to go and make the effort for restoration. And if you're not the one in the situation, maybe you see the conflict between other people and you say, Jesus, this may get messy and I may end up getting caught in the crossfire, but I am willing to do the hard work of being your hands and feet in the situation and try to bring healing and restoration and reconciliation to these people. I'll do it for you, Jesus, because I want to be a peacemaker. One last thing. we got to always remember that peacemakers approach a situation with humility and vulnerability. Scripture never mentions God blessing the powerful who leverage their strength and force an issue. God blesses those who work at peace. God blesses those who choose to live in ways that show that they are children of God because that's what God did. When we could not reconcile ourselves to God, God sent Jesus to be our reconciliation, to be a way for us to have this arene, this peace. He is our interceder. He is our mediator. God demonstrated this love and this peace toward us. And that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus did the hard work of restoration so that we could not only be at peace with God, but so that Jesus could be our peace. God... I find myself myself anxious frequently. It just feels like no matter what you say, no matter what you post on Facebook, no matter your opinion about raising children or vaccines or political parties or or city ordinances, or neighborhood regulations. It doesn't matter what it is. It feels like there is always an aggressive opposer. And you have called us to be people of peace. Not just people of peace, but people that work toward peace. Jesus, you didn't say, blessed are the peaceful people. You said, blessed are the people that work for peace. We understand that it's difficult work. But we want to be more like you, Jesus. We want to be children of God. And so I pray for me and I pray for my friends here today that you will help us to be people of peace. God, we need, we need shalom peace right now. We need physical, tangible justice and righteousness. We need it in our lives, in our families, in our neighborhoods, in our government, in our nation, in our world. We need it. But we also need this, this irene. We need this spiritual peace that only you can bring, that you provided for us on the cross when you made peace through the cross when you've given us this opportunity to have peace with you and peace with each other in a newer and a deeper way than we ever thought possible. And God, I pray that you will help us to become people who will work for peace. I pray that you'll help us to be willing to be vulnerable and step into the messy middle 
And as we do, I pray that you'll help us to remember that you're already in the messy middle. And that's where you do some of your best work. So may we join you at your work of restoration. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. As we come uh, to the table of grace and thanksgiving, um, it's my prayer that we're reminded that this is the ultimate example of peacemaking, right? Between God and us. That Jesus stepped into the middle and was willing to become everything that he needed to be to uh, allow us to have peace with God. It's amazing to me. On the night that uh, Jesus would be betrayed, oh, I just want to give you an opportunity. If you if you haven't grabbed your communion elements, let me give you a chance to do that. I'm so sorry. I don't feel awkward about that at all. Um, and just so you know, if you're not a member here, it's okay. We practice an open table, and so you can receive these elements um, along with the rest of us uh, because we are followers of Jesus together. On the night that Jesus would be betrayed, he was in the room with his friends, and it was a common meal that they were used to taking together. They were used to um, being around this this table together. And it represented something else to them. But Jesus stepped in and said, this means something different now. Um, this now represents my body, which will be broken for you. So take it and eat. And then a little bit later in the meal, he lifted up the cup. And the, the cup that represented redemption. The cup that represented, now this will be used for what it is intended to be used for. And he said, this represents my blood, which will be shed for you for the forgiveness of your sins. Take and drink, drink all of it and be thankful. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your example. Your example of washing feet, of going to the least, of stepping into areas that no one thought that you should. We thank you for being our example of living in such an upside-down way that the world has to take notice because, man, it's just different. Thank you that you love us that much to be that kind of example. And so help us as we step out of this place today to follow your example of being peacemakers, of being among those who are willing to step in and bring reconciliation where there's brokenness. We love you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. I want to, real quick, uh, I want to give a shout out. If you look back behind us, there is no one over 21 probably. I don't know, Kimmy, Dusty, maybe y'all are, but... Not by much. I'm guessing there's no one over 20 or 21 that has totally helped us with our live stream today. And they are awesome. And so thank you to them. And uh, here at Port Orange Nazarene, we sing our benediction to each other and to God. And so if you don't know it, that's okay. Just listen to it and receive it. And the rest of us, let's do this. Ready? We sing hallelujah. Let your kingdom come in our hearts in our homes let your will be done as we go in your name we 
shout and we proclaim, let your will be done in us. Go in God's peace and go and be God's peace. We'll see you all next Sunday.